Hello, Pitt fans. Welcome back to the Loyal Suns show. That's at the Loyal Suns on Twitter and Instagram, yada, yada. You know the drill by now. On today's episode, we don't have any guests for you, and we're actually missing one of our co-hosts. That's why David's not giving the intro to you, uh, but that doesn't make it any less important. I'm Dylan. I'm joined by Squid, and this is going to be our episode where we just let our hearts out, pour our hearts out to the Pitt basketball team, the 2022-2023 Pitt Panthers and just kind of take a little trip down memory lane of these past few months, talk about a little bit about the tournament run, a little bit about the fan experience at the tournament, and then we're just going to talk through about all these seniors and some of the, even the returning guys, uh, but what they've done for this program, how they've turned around pit basketball. So, Squid, you're back. You made the trip to Greensboro, the loyalist of sons. Uh, David's missing today. He's out in San Diego for a work trip. He has a prepared statement for us that we'll read off later in the episode. But man, tell me how it was. I, I wanted to be there. I wish I would have came. I'll, I'll never live it down. But how was Greensboro, North Carolina? It was well worth the trip. It was a last minute decision. We weren't sure if we were going to go because the thought of driving down on Friday, them losing, being out, and having to drive back the next morning. Seemed a little rough after going to Dayton and doing that exact same thing a few days earlier. But we rolled the dice, we went, and the Iowa State game delivered. It was so cool seeing your team in March Madness. I said the same thing for the playing game, just seeing the March Madness logos made it feel so different and sweet. Uh, But being there, seeing the fan bases, uh, it was awesome. It was so stressful too. Even when we were up twenty-two to two, it was still so stressful. Yeah, we watched that game at Mario's in Oakland. We wanted to be at least in Oakland and feel like we we're part of the University of Pittsburgh for the game. This is for the Iowa State game, and yeah, there's just something about seeing your team up on the ticker, seeing you know that's coming on and tipping off at three ten, and then they had the whole debacle with with the rim situation and we're waiting and that just makes the anticipation build even further and the place is filling up and then the ball gets tipped off. It's like, Whoa, Pitt's playing in March madness. And the first four was awesome. Uh, The game had me on pins and needles the entire time, but I will say there was definitely a different feeling. Now that still counts as a tournament win. I don't care the people trying to disparage Pitt saying they only won one tournament game. No, those are both part of the NCAA tournament, but Yeah, there's definitely a little bit different of a vibe when when it's a 6-11 game, when it's not a first four. Yeah, the fan experience is cool, too, just because there's multiple sessions. So you see all kinds of fans, and it's even more cordial because you're not facing those fans at that time. So we sat by some Kansas State fans, and they were uh, very nice. They were uh, preparing for Kentucky. They ended up winning, but they were nervous. Uh, we bonded over hating West Virginia. This fan behind us said that he'll never go back to Morgantown again, and he's been to over 200 college football games, so we bonded over that. So that's the uh, worst one. Been to 200, but that's the worst. Yeah, he said him and his wife will never go back. They were the worst, and we completely agreed. Uh, the day before that, oh, during the Iowa State game, we were surrounded by Xavier fans, and they were so intrigued by the Diaz Grams and Federico of like course. whenever Federico checked in for the first time, the crowd erupted and they're like, 
first of all, why are you cheering so much for this guy? And second of all, is his name really Federico Federico? So there's a lot of really cool moments like that where fans are asking you questions. I think the biggest one was during the Iowa State game. Everyone asked, is Pitt a defensive juggernaut? Because we held them to without a field goal for like 10 minutes. And we're like, no, we actually kind of suck at defense. So that was another element of the the trip that was awesome. Like taking on the town, Greensboro, we were there for more than a day because we won. So we had to sightsee all that. It was like two bowl game trips in one. So I would highly recommend it for upcoming and future tournament appearances that will most definitely happen for Pitt. Yeah, seeing some of the videos of you guys down there and some of the stories you were giving back, it just looked like it looked like a blast. I mean, every pit trip is, but it definitely seems like being there in March with all those different fan bases uh, is something you can't miss. So I, I'm really hoping we get to experience that next year. Uh, there's some tournament games in Pittsburgh. I doubt they'd place them here, but I, I, I want to make the trip next year when we absolutely make our return to March. So before we get into anything deeper about the, the entire season, I want to talk a little bit more about these two tournament games. Uh, everyone watched them and we can give three, four minutes on the Iowa state game, just because uh, there's a lot to unpack, but everything that can be said has been said about that game, but just pretty unbelievable start and overall vibe to that game. You have a pit team who's been struggling all year, gives up 41 points and starts the game on a 22 to two offensive run. Like what was the gym? Like what was the arena? Like, and how, how were you taking that in? Cause I know for us, we just really couldn't comprehend it. I was the same way. I was the nerves kicked in as we were walking to the stadium. I'm like, this is do or die. This is March Madness. This is real. And I was nervous. And the crowd was going crazy because Pitt was scoring like every possession, like getting to the final line, hitting threes. And they were playing maybe the best offensive basketball for that stretch of the season. And I didn't feel comfortable. Because we were up like probably 16 to 2, 17 to 2, something like that. And I knew Iowa State was going to storm back. But once it got to 20 to 2, I was like, oh my God. There's no way they can come back from this, right? But they made it interesting. I mean, the Pitt fan in my heart knew that that they weren't just going to boat race them the entire game. But part of me was like, what if they just beat this team by 40 points? Like how badass would that be to just stomp this team by 40? Yeah. Pretty quickly. Those thoughts went away. Everyone has the, the fear of blowing the lead in the back of their mind. Cause that's just college basketball. But shortly after that, everyone knew Pitt is the better team today. Iowa state can't make anything and it wasn't in jeopardy at all. So it was awesome. The Pitt fans were loving it. There's a, a good group of Pitt fans in attendance so that game will be one to remember uh, just watching the clock run out it, it was great it was so satisfying yeah were xavier fans rooting for Pitt? were they rooting for iowa state who'd they want to play it's funny i didn't realize this at the time because there was a row full of xavier fans in front of us and then some scattered around they were always asking us questions and they started cheering for Pitt. And I thought it was just because we were sitting there. Then I thought, like, you know what? We're the 11 seed. They probably want to face the 11 seed as opposed to the 6 seed, given though Iowa State looks pretty bad. Um, so I don't know. I couldn't really tell. Uh, ended up being a cool matchup. There were a lot of Xavier fans there. So that next day, or my days are mixed up. Two days later, it was uh, a great environment. 
Yeah. So you have that Iowa State game, like we said, it everyone's watched it by now. You've probably watched the highlight three, four times if you're like me. Um, it was kind of the Guillermo Diaz Graham coming out party. And then he kind of kept that rolling into the Xavier game with the uh big the monster alley dunk from Nelly early in that game. Uh, take me take me through that one, how that was feeling, because obviously we never went out on that big run. Uh, we actually played from behind just about the entire game. Yeah, well, we were a little worried. I know at the time we were watching Xavier almost lose to Kennesaw State, we thought this team is very beatable. Then later that night, we were actually hanging out with a bunch of the, the pit beat guys down. Uh, in Greensboro covering the game. So we were chatting up with them. And I think we all came to the realization that both of those teams we played prior, Mississippi State, Iowa State, pretty bad offensive teams. I mean, uh, atrocious so, shooting by both teams. So we came to the realization that we we're going to be facing a much better offensive team. So we kind of expected the first half. We knew Pitt would have to play well to stay in it, and they couldn't afford to have a bad game and still win. Like We didn't play that great against Mississippi State but we won. Uh, you, you can't do that against a team like Xavier, especially if they're on and making uh, all the threes they had in the first half. seemed like they didn't miss. Yeah, I mean, Kunkel goes five for five in the first half. Uh, Nunge gave them a lot of issues down low. I, I thought the Xavier team looked really, really good. Uh, Cable said it in his postgame presser. They just really couldn't disrupt them offensively, especially in the first half. You know, Pitt kind of locked in near the end of the game, made it interesting, getting some stops. I think Xavier went a good three and a half, four minutes without scoring. But in that first half, it, it was kind of one of those situations where they were feeling it. We weren't creating any type of turnovers. Um, and then they shot the lights out. So watching that game, it was pretty brutal watching watching those shots go in and you start to get that sinking feeling in your gut like, uh, this might be the end of the run here. Um, you can feel the tide shifting in the arena. There are a lot of Xavier fans there. A lot of Xavier fans, probably more than Pitt. Um, and it was just that one run where they really extended the lead from like six to eight to like 16. Uh, it was this one big play after another, after another, after another. And you could feel the air kind of get sucked out of the pit side. And, Looks like the team kind of forced the issue a little bit, taking tough shots and really a lot rushing. of mid-range jumpers, a yeah. lot of long twos. I, I felt like for me, it felt like Pitt was getting a lot of good looks that they weren't making, and I mean, that's when you're 11 seed playing a three, you got to make the good looks, and you probably have to make some tough ones, and they weren't really falling. But it the, the answer was on the defensive end; they just couldn't get any stops from Xavier in the first half. Um, but then they battled back like this pit team has all year. They started to make it interesting, and it, but it was just every time that we needed one more shot to fall, when we needed one more stop, felt like we couldn't get it. I thought we might luck into something, some crazy march antics when uh, Desmond Claude for Xavier was missing free throws, and it was like, wow, can we just foul this guy in, into a win here? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, think, the big play. Go ahead. I would say the Mark shenanigans would have been that second play Kinson three in the second half. That was like a step back onto the logo. I mean, if he made that and he has six quick ones, I feel like the pressure's on Xavier. They're like we can't let this guy get hot. Uh, I think it could have turned into a Blake Kinson like hero moment where he just goes off for like 12 in the last four minutes and Pitt comes back and 
forces OT or wins. But that one didn't fall. And then there was like a, I don't know if it was Greg Elliott or Nelly coming because they had a, a pretty good look to get it the single digits. It just didn't happen. Yeah, there was a couple of those. Um, the Henson one, the second one that went halfway down and popped out, we everyone just started audibly laughing. Like that if that was gonna go in, then we were we, we were just gonna win the game. Mm-hmm. Um and I think I said I wouldn't mind next year just seeing the offense just be Blake Henson just coming off high ball screens and pulling from like 40 feet, like just a Damian Lillard style. Yeah, it's a crazy thing. I don't, I don't have the numbers on this, but I feel like he makes all of those threes. There's very yeah. rarely any occasions where he takes a deep three, misses it. And you're like, wow, that was a dumb shot. You just never have that thought cross your mind. Cause you feel like it never happens. Yeah. I'm hoping we can find some advanced met- metrics on Henson from like 30 plus feet. Probably shooting like well over fifty percent, um, and he even had a couple buckets left in that game. And I don't want to look ahead to next year. It's still March, and we've got a long time till we can play hoops again. But like the turnaround jumper on the baseline over two guys was like Kobe Bryant esque. And then there were a couple of plays where he got to the rim, and it's like he hasn't done this in three months. Like w- what has gotten into him? Uh, I think if he drops, and I. I get some heat for this saying he needs to drop some LB, <laughs> but I think if he can drop 10 to 15 pounds, uh, we're looking at a guy who can maybe average 20 a game in the ACC next year. I mean, let him be a little more agile running off of screens, catching and shooting. A lot of the stuff is those high horn sets where he just kind of has to pop out. And instead of maybe shoot, having to shoot 30 footers, maybe being able to come a little tighter off of screens, he can shoot them a little closer to the three point line. There'll be like layups to him. But, uh, Henson, Henson started to show the full package. Clearly wasn't enough down the stretch, but um, just the, it, the game hurt. It, I mean, my heart was broken, but I will say this was the most I've seen pit fans really be able to just see like the perspective of things and come together and be reasonable after a pit loss, uh, especially a season ending loss. Like you always have a few assholes who have to come out and be like oh capable blew it capable didn't coach them up out coached by sean miller but like there really wasn't even much of that i know i saw some of the stuff on twitter when i would check my phone you'd see some stuff like oh this guy can't do anything this guy's missing every shot they can't defend this guy and i'd be like you know what xavier's the better team today they're probably the better team all year and it's as simple as that i didn't get frustrated like we blew this this is a disaster uh yes would have loved the season to go on uh we'd probably be looking at flights to kansas city right now you probably uh, wouldn't have survived a trip to kansas city so it might be better for you yeah they made the decision easy for me uh i don't know i don't know how to survive that one thankfully there's a little bit more of a break between but still yeah and i'm even but i'm talking even more so like after the game like the reaction mm-hmm. from pit fans was Usually when Pitt would lose in March, it's like, all right, we need to make fire Dixon. Yeah, fire Dixon. Can't make it past the Sweet 16. Can't lose in the round of 32. This is a joke. The entire It felt like the entire Pitt community finally came together for once and was like, okay, we can sit back and look at where this team was in November and what we had expectation-wise for this team before the season. And we were able to just sit there and appreciate, like, wow, that was really a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think you see it in the players too, uh, in all those press conferences with Jeff Capel and 
uh, the parting seniors. Uh, they're clearly sad, but it's it's like a it's like graduate. Well, I guess they are graduating. It's like high school graduation. It's like well, a lot of great things to come, but we're proud of what we did, and I yeah. think the fan base is taking that same uh, stance as well, which usually doesn't align. It's usually fans are mad, players are. I don't know what I'm saying. Distraught. Distraught. Yeah. Players yeah. Lose. yeah. I, I think the players, the overall sentiment that those seniors gave, and I think that everyone would agree with them, is that they left Pitt in a better place than it was. Um, and we're, we're going to talk. When we, when we do our season recap, we're going to go through individual guys and talk about kind of what they meant to the program and to this team. But I, I think JB summed it up the best was I, we left Pitt in a better place than we found it. And that's all you can really ask. Um, just an incredible group of seniors. Uh, incredible job by Coach Cable bringing these guys together. Uh, a season that very well could have went south in, in November after a one and three start. And they rallied. They went on a run, had a chance to win the ACC regular season title. Uh, that didn't come through. Then they take a, an ass whooping from Duke in the ACC tournament. And you know what? Thank you to the committee for still putting Pitt in because that would have been just a horrible way for these seniors to go out and their legacy would have been, oh, that's the team that blew it down the stretch. Like they had a chance to do something special. Um, I don't think think about that alternate reality. I don't either. And I'm just glad it didn't happen. Maybe we're like in the semifinals of the NIT right now. Yeah. And everyone will be like, who cares? The NIT, we didn't make it back to the dance, but they did make it back. They got in, they made some noise pulled a 11-6 upset and uh, they can hang their hold their heads high because that was uh that was about as fun as I've had following a pit team uh pit basketball I mean the pit, obviously the championship ACC run in football with Kenny's Heisman race I mean I, that'll be hard to top in my lifetime the 0809 uh, Blair Fields young team that'll be tough to top but in terms of just enjoying a team to follow and their and that ride, um, this is right up there with those. I cannot remember the last time there's been this much optimism after a pit basketball season. Yeah. Like even the years after they would like they have some talent towards the end of the Dixon years, like but they'd have a first round exit. The whole offseason was Dixon's gotta get over the hump or he's gonna go, or this guy isn't good enough. It was always very critical and on edge. It was never, well, next year's the year. There was very little of that. This year, there's a lot of optimism. We're in a good spot for a change. And I think the entire fan base is excited for what's to come. And nobody is saying fire Jeff Capel. I wouldn't say nobody. There's a few Twitter trolls out there, but. Well, they don't count as people. They don't count and they know they can't fire him right now, but, uh, yeah, just an, just an awesome run. March Madness is great. Once again, best sporting weekend of the year. Almost, It's the best weekend of the year, damn near. This is like my Christmas. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sad Pitt's portion of it's over, but I, I'm excited that we have hope that they'll be back. Yeah, it was definitely the best weekend of the year. We saw uh, Friday, March Madness slate. Uh, actually, Saturday was St. Patrick's Day in Greensboro, so we... Got to experience that, and then another day of awesome college basketball. Even though Pitt ended on a loss, 
had a few people at work today say, yeah, tough loss for Pitt. It's like, yeah, we won one. It was a great year. I'm not going to sulk and sorrow about losing to a three seed. So I'm glad we're where we're at. 100%. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to do our year in review of this basketball season. We're going to go through talking to each player. And uh, that's that's how we'll take this thing out. So we'll be back after these ads. It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide, and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. Now, to recap this magical 2022-2023 basketball season, we're just going to go through each of the guys who played meaningful minutes for the Panthers, talk a little bit about what they meant to the program, what they meant to the team, and just talk about maybe some of our favorite moments with these guys. So. Without further ado, oh, wait, 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 wait. David does have his statement that he wanted us Mm. to read. I'll read that now. We'll get this out of the way. Uh, For for you listeners who may have skipped the beginning of the pod, David's away on work, uh, but he does have a heartfelt message that he wants us to give off to all the fans and to the basketball team. David's statement. Due to work-related travel to San Diego, suck it, nerds, I will unfortunately have to sit out this taping of the Loyal Sun show, but the show must go on. I just ask that my esteemed co-host, holy shit, is this baby going to stop crying? Seriously, please control your child. There's a hundred other people on this flight. Aren't these AirPods supposed to be noise canceling? Anyway, I'd like the following message to be passed along. I'm so proud of this fucking football team. Am I a little upset? that we didn't take advantage of their early foul issues in the first half? Maybe. Was I ready to peel off my own skin when we tried to contested mid-range jumper our way back into the game down 16? Very much so, yes. But that doesn't matter anymore. What this group of guys did was special. I'm so happy to feel something in March again, even if that feeling is intense sadness. Hail to Pitt. Hail to Jeff Capel. Hail to the Canary Islands. Anyway... I can see the Pacific Ocean looming larger on the horizon. Hope you guys enjoy the overcast, you dinks. Thanks, David. That's pleasant. Needed that last part. Yeah. Jackass. Well, now that we have that out of the way, uh, without further ado, let's let's just get into our review. I, let's kick it off with Jamarius Burton. I would say JB, the first team All-ACC uh, honoree, was... I'll say there's no player more vital to the revival of the program, the Pitt basketball program. He was here last year in an absolute dumpster fire 
and he stuck through it. He wanted to be a leader from day one. That was very obvious. Um, even when some of those guys last year, some of his teammates wouldn't really take that leadership and do anything with it. And you could see it with this team. Those guys looked at JB. He was a huge catalyst for this team in every every situation and a, a, just a great face of the program, represented the program in just an awesome way. You could tell that he was a leader on a mission. You could, I think last year uh, pissed him off and he was going to let his last ride uh, in college basketball at Pitt come to an end, sadly, or go out with a whimper. So you can see throughout the year, anytime they needed a guy to take control, take charge, he was the one who would initiate that, and everyone would follow. I know some people were upset about some of his missed shots in the final game, but he was playing the way Jamarius Burton did uh, aggressively. Uh, he demanded the ball whenever we needed a bucket to be made. Yeah, those didn't fall on Sunday, but they did so many times earlier in the year. So wouldn't be there without JB. Uh, glad to have him stick around and, and be the guy that Pitt needed. Yeah, he had a he had a wild college career. I mean, he goes to Wichita State and starts twenty eight games as, as a freshman, averaging six a game, then averages ten a game as a sophomore. Transfers to Texas Tech, only starts four games, averages four points a game, nineteen minutes a game. So really takes a back seat, and then comes to Pitt probably looking to be a part of a rebuild he has to understand that but wants to play a bigger role and by the end of that season he's playing with just a depleted roster uh one of his backcourt mates is a former walk-on that all respect to oh uh he probably shouldn't have been playing major acc minutes but that jb never really wavered so uh to see the payoff for him this year it was it was pretty awesome pretty awesome yeah, I think the epitome of Jamarius Burton's career was that UNC game at Chapel Hill where you need a bucket, he demands the ball, drop a play for him, gets fouled, sinks two free throws in hostile territory. That's just who he was. Um, and every team needs a guy like that, and there's not many guys like that in college basketball. So we should be very grateful for having a guy that uh, could control a game the way he did. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of signature moments for JB. I mean, even looking back to last year, uh, there was some early signs that he could be that type of guy. I don't know if, how well you remember, but Pitt played up in Brooklyn against St. John's, and JB had a winner at the buzzer. And that was still early early in the season, so it felt like there still might be some hope for that team. Um, obviously, the rest of the season didn't play out that well, but... I look at this season, some of the signature moments he had. Uh, you said the game at Chapel Hill, but what about the game at the Peak when he goes 14 to 17 from the field, drops 31 points? I mean, I think that game, one, that was the game that it was the same day of the Sun Bowl. We were like, oh, Pitt's back, Pitt's back. Um, I think that was the first real moment of the season where we could look at and be like, no, this is, this is a very good team. And we also thought UNC was a lot better at that point of the season. But that was another moment where jb stepped up and it was like oh this this guy is very much one of the best players in the acc you know how clutch he was we didn't even mention his playing game game winner that was the other one i had down here yeah. it was, I, was, I was gonna get to it yeah it got mentioned fourth but it was maybe the most meaningful shot of his career 
I mean, if we're talking signature moment, that's a guy. Once again, we talked about how odd of a career he had. He was in foul trouble the entire game. What's he play? 19 minutes in a first four game. Can't ever get any type of rhythm. Bunch of ticky tack fouls that he takes sitting on the bench with four fouls. And then end of the game, pits down one season's on the line. If JB doesn't make that shot, Pitt more, most likely loses the game. I mean, Mississippi State was so bad at shooting, they might have bricked two free throws mm-hmm. and gave us another chance. But realistically, like the shot doesn't go and Pitt's season ends right there in Dayton. And there was no one else you'd want the ball in their hands at any point. Um, you know, we there other guys stepped up big throughout the season, but it was very clear. And I think I think Blake Hinson said it. He's like, no, the plan was get the ball to JB. And we all knew that and knew he'd get to his spot. And same thing with the game down at Chapel Hill. With those two free throws, a game on the line, I had no doubt JB was going to knock down those shots. So just yeah, after the, that Mississippi State game, I think they asked him what he said was, uh, I'm built for this. Yeah. He kept saying, I'm built for this. Doesn't matter if I've been cold, sitting next to the assistant coaches for the last 15 minutes. I'm getting the ball and I'm going to make this. I'm built for this. Yeah. Just an absolute awesome way for him to really be a part of, be such a, crucial part of that game to be the one who sends Pitt into the round of 64. Um, gotta love it. Gotta love a guy who comes to Pitt, says they want to make a change and is really a part of it. So JB, we're thankful for you, man. That's a proud Pitt man. Uh, someone who I'll always associate with the revival of Pitt basketball. Another guy who said he was going to come to Pitt and make a change and did just that. The hometown kid, Nellie Cummings. Uh, it it can't be stressed enough, I don't think, how big it was that he is like a whippy old guy. Um, I think that matters more than people think. He's a Lincoln Park grad, went to Bowling Green out of high school, played at Colgate, plays in two NCAA tournaments there, and then gets his last year an opportunity at Pitt. Shout out to Jeff Capel for giving the kid a chance. A little undersized, but he was an effective guard in the Patriot League. Comes to Pitt and struggles early, and it looks like maybe he's going to have some have some troubles playing at this level. But that was just some nerves. Had to, you know, fight. He, I think he even says in the early part of the year he was trying to prove a little too much instead of just playing his game. Um, and now, you know, some of these local kids. Pitt, Pittsburgh has a lot of high level high school basketball players right now. Uh, including his younger brother who's committed to Pitt, but a lot of high-level high school basketball being played in Western PA right now, and they can look at a kid like Nellie Cummings and be like, he's from here, and he was part of something special at the University of Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think it's awesome that these guys – I know I'm getting ahead here. Everyone came into the season with a goal, whether it was to uh, get more minutes, lead Pitt back to where they used to be, or get to the tournament. They, they all did that. They all stepped up. Uh, Greg Elliott, Nike Sabandi, too. They all had uh, amazing careers, and they all capped off in a special way. Uh, I mean, Nelly was – I said the same thing about JB, but they go hand-in-hand. Hand. Great backcourt mates. You need guards in college basketball. We had two great guards that were uh, just great at getting the offense going. Uh, they made life easy for those shooters and, and the big men, so – He's a guy, another guy who really didn't have to score to impact the game. I mean, yeah. JB did a good job of that, but I look at the Syracuse game where I think Nelly still had 14 points, but what, 13 assists? Like, true, true point guard. 
That's something we haven't had for a while. Pitt hasn't had like a true point guard that can initiate offense and no one to take over, no one to step up and make three straight threes if needed, or maybe he's not taking shots and he's just dishing off to the shooters and creating uh, open looks. So that's a guy that I think everyone knows how good he is, but they still will probably underrate how big of a loss that'll be for Pitt. Yeah, you'll look back at the stat sheet like, oh, they can replace 11 points and 4.8 assists, but Nelly brought a little more than that. Like you said, the my signature moment I had written down for Nelly was those three th- straight threes at UNC. Like it was a portion of the game where Pitt just needed a guy to step up. Uh, offense had gone cold for a little bit, and then he just bangs threes, puts Pitt right back into the game. And that ended up being, I mean, you look back at this season, and there's a lot of games where Pitt drops they could potentially have been left out of the tournament. And that's one of them. Uh, one of one of the was looked at as a signature win for a while. And then UNC kind of tapered off. That could have been used against them during the selection process. Um, and then I look at the, the first two tourney games, the first four in the, the round of 64 game, he was the leading scorer for the Panthers. Uh, and like you said, he, he found, especially in the first four game, I felt like he was kind of prodding through the early por- portion of the game, looking to get other guys involved. But, it was like every time he knew we, we needed a, a bucket, uh, Nelly went and got one. Mm-hmm. So that's, like I said, I mean, the hometown kid, he was able to get announced last in the starting lineups at the Peterson Event Center. Um, probably a dream come true for him. But once again, that's a guy. Thank you, Nelly, coming back to Pittsburgh, doing what you said you were going to do. And uh, thanks for Talking, talking it up to your brother as well, because I think he's going to win a lot of games at Pitt. Next up, Greg Elliott, the grad transfer from Marquette. From day one, man, I loved his energy. I remember being at the Tennessee Martin game, and I was just laughing at Greg Elliott and Henson because they were just like the... I was calling them the Bash brothers because like every time a play would happen, they were just like going nuts, like hyping each other up, like hyping up the Oakland Zoo. There was all of a thousand people in the Pete that night, but they were just hyping up the zoo to no end. Uh, Yeah, I thought Greg was going to jump on the scorer's table after they went up like 15 on Tennessee Martin. Yeah, it was awesome. And you you could tell that that energy was contagious and no one hyped up their teammates like Greg Elliott did. I remember early in the year, whenever the season looked bleak, I was like, man, we're going to waste a great spot-up shooter in a season that won't mean anything. I remember this. Greg I Elliott. remember this conversation. Because every year, every year recently, Pitt hasn't had a great shooter. And there's been a couple of years where we thought, man, if we had a three-point specialist, this team would really be tough to deal with. And then we got one in Greg Elliott. And I thought we were going to let a season go to waste again. I was like, man, if we had this guy... This year, this year, this year would be tough. Uh, turns out this team is good, and they were tough. Uh, every team needs a Greg Elliott. Um, he did a lot. He was a great rebounder. I, I feel like there are a lot of games this year where I would check the box where I'm like, Greg Elliott got seven rebounds. So a uh, great team I mean, look player. At the, look at the game against Iowa State. He finishes with 10 and 8, 10 points, 8 rebounds. Like This guy's 6'3". This isn't a six, six wing getting you 10 rebounds here and there. Like now he's six, three. And just, that's just a dude who wanted to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some games wasn't his night. Next game, he'd bounce back and get a quick 12 in the first half 
ball from threes and a lot of four point plays too, which is sweet. <laughs> yeah. This is probably the most four point plays in Pittman's basketball history. I think this season is by far number one. Yeah, Greg Elliott seems to get them in the flow of the game. Just I, I think teams have to close out on him really hard, and maybe he does have a little bit of a forward fall with his jump shot. Uh, Blake Henson hunts them out like no other, like almost egregiously hunts out four-point plays. But uh, yeah, I mean, Greg shoots 41.6% from three this year, 87% from the free throw line, 10.4 points, four rebounds a game. I'm looking at this and it's like Greg Elliott was we're like, oh, he's our shooter. Like, but this is like ideal production from a role player. I know every year in the offseason, I think every team on their wish list is we need a corner three specialist. This guy can be out there on the wing, you can toss it to him, he'll knock down the threes when he's open. And you think there's so many guys like that. There are a lot of guys that can do that sometimes, but not consistently throughout a season. Like, 41.6% is that's elite. Elite in college basketball. Yeah, so he, everyone will say in this offseason, we need another Greg Elliott. Let's go find another Greg Elliott. I don't know if it's that easy. He's a good dude. He's a good dude to have in the program and on the floor. Yeah, on and off the floor, definitely a plus. He was a guy who wasn't afraid to mix it up a little, which I think you need. I, I look at a guy like JB. He he was more even keeled, level headed. He got intense at times, but Greg Elliott was constant, chirping at the other team, getting into it. Not afraid, like we said, getting eight rebounds in a tournament game at six three. Not afraid to mix it up. Uh, I'll I'll miss his celebrations after threes, whether it's the three fingers low on the ground, the the arrows into the into the stands, or literally just turning and dapping up someone in the first row of the of the Pete uh, Greg Elliott, just an awesome pit Panther. And another guy that these, these are the type of guys that Capel needs to be able to find in the portal. Not, not even just, I mean, yes, great shooters, uh, guys who can play bigger than their height, but guys who their teammates love to be around and want to be around and guys who are going to lift up their teammates. Next is another guy, another transfer. I mean, all these guys are transfers. Who am I kidding? Uh, but guy who's been here for three years now, but this is the first year we really got to see what he had, and that's Nike Sabandi, uh, the ACC Sixth Man of the Year. Started the year a little slow, coming off an ACL injury. We've we've apologized about uh, some some remarks we had about him early in the season, but he's a guy who transferred from Miami of Ohio. Coach over there challenged his transfer, didn't really release his transfer however that worked nca screwed him over by not letting him play till halfway through the season um and then last year poor kid tears his acl and uh, has to has to rehab back for one last go at it and after all that he kind of turned into exactly what we were hoping he would yeah nike sabandi ended his career with over 1800 points that is so impressive uh I don't care what level you're at. I know he was at Miami of Ohio for a few, then pitted a few. Uh, he was a true scorer, a really good scorer, and uh, it was just what we needed off the bench. We had like the like the calm, cool, and collected Nelly Cummings. He'd come off. Maybe Pitt was going in a cold spell, and 
Jeff Capel warms up Nike in the bullpen, says, get out there and fire away. And a lot of games, Nike kept us afloat when no one else was making buckets. And it was just instant offense. I think uh, we said this after every game down the stretch in our podcast. It's like, oh, yeah, there was that one stretch where Nike went off for a quick six and we took the lead right after that. It, it was every game. Uh, big boost off the bench because he was literally our only bench player. Yeah, I mean, how much of the season did we play with uh, uh, pr- pretty much six guys? T- Twins might give us some minutes here and there. Santos might give us some. But, I mean, he was the sixth man and really in title only. They played uh, about 23 minutes a game for the pit. And a lot of, I mean, that number is a little lower because early in the season he struggled to get on the floor because of those early season struggles. But, yeah, he's, he was a guy who... Even you look at some of the big moments that he had, not just scoring the ball, but he was actually the defender on both Appleby and Caleb Love's missed threes in the uh, Wake Forest and North Carolina games, respectively. And it, that just kind of showed you the trust that Coach Capel had in him was that, yeah, we're this guy's our best athlete. We're going to put him on the ball handler, and they're going to have to make a play over him. My favorite thing about Nike was being at games and he'd get a long rebound and just put his head down and push it up the floor and need a lot of, no, 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 pull it out, pull it out. It's a one-on-three, and then he would just somehow weave his way through defenders and get to the rim and finish. Yeah, or even just, like, blow by guys. It's like, oh, they're going to cut him off. They never got there. It's like like when you have a burner on a football field, like an Izzy Abanacanda type, where it's like guys try to take angles and they just outrun the angles. Basketball courts are a lot smaller. To be able to beat out angles on a basketball court, pretty crazy. I think in a different life, Nike Savandi might be an all-pro NFL wide receiver. Um, But I'm glad he played shooting guard for the Pitt Panthers. Um, Signature moment for him that I put down here. There's a few, but I think the best that sums up Nike Savandi is the Louisville game where he misses a fast break windmill dunk. And then we get the rebound. And he just sprints out to the corner and buries a three. It's like you're going to get some bad with Nike, but you take the good with the bad, uh, take it for what it's worth. And most of the time you're going to get some points out of it. Yeah. I wish he had one of those posters. I know we tried to posterize a lot of guys when we get fouled. And they wouldn't yeah. go down. So there could have been uh, a really sweet, like Julius page esque poster in his career, but that didn't fall. He did get one big one, though, against Syracuse. It's now our profile picture where he's hanging on the rim. And when the Pete was absolutely rocking, he made it rock even more if that was even possible. Uh, Just a guy that could uh, ignite the Pete. Yeah, realistically, that's probably his signature moment. But I I think the missed windmill into a three is one of my all-time favorite plays I've seen in person. The, The comedic effect of it was unmatched. Um. And then the last senior we've got on the list, last but certainly not least, but he was usually the last to check into the game. Uh, Aiden Fish. What else, What can we really say? Program guy. Very clear that he was a real part of their success. He wasn't just another walk-on. Uh, his bucket against Syracuse, I felt like, encapsulated what was so great about this team was that like the team was more happy that Aiden Fish scored than they were that they won that game. And... Uh, I mean, that's his signature moment, obviously. Well, either that or, or his appearance on the Loyal Sun show. 
Yeah, it's a toss up. Well, we might throw a poll out there. I think it was sweet uh, just seeing him get tackled by Blake Henson and dog piled on. It was that moment where I'm like, this team is not just another good team. Uh, they love each other. Yeah. I think you heard that a lot in the press conferences to end uh, the season. Blake Henson said this team changed his life. And that doesn't happen if you have just two or three good players. You need a lot of good players and a lot of great personalities off the court. So uh, it was awesome seeing the guys get hyped for them, tell them fire away when you get out there and, and feed them the ball. Uh, shout out to the fish tank at the Pete. Uh, it was great that there were so many fish washes this year because of how good the team was. Yeah, just, just an awesome story. And watching him give a post-game interview, teary-eyed, crying, but just being proud of what he did. Kind of lived a dream for a lot of young Pitt fans in the area, but uh, earned it. It, w- it wasn't something that was given to him. Came in as a manager, walks on, and gets that scholarship as a in his last year at Pitt. So, shout out to Coach Cable for taking a chance on a guy, and uh, shout out to Fish for all he did because it's it's not usually a very glorious thing. I mean, I know he'll have that clip of him getting the bucket against the Syracuse game forever for the rest of his life, but uh, there was a lot of a lot of hard work that went into it before then and stuff that isn't really going to get recognized by Pitt fans as much, but I am glad he got his moment because it's, like I said, it's very clear that he, he's a really real part of the success of this team. So salute to Aiden fish and salute to all those seniors that we just talked about. Uh, we could go on for hours and hours, um, but seriously, just a group that has kind of changed the trajectory of Pitt basketball. And, um, part of that trajectory, some of these guys coming back. So I, I, I do want to talk a little bit about those guys. We don't have to go on the the same, uh, you know, goodbye tour that we just did for, for each of those guys. But what, what, let's look at some of these guys who are returning, the guys who played real minutes for Pitt this year. And we have to start with Blake Henson because team's leading scorer, definitely the biggest piece of the puzzle coming back. Um, and another guy who it's like this this is he might be the biggest reason why this team was so fun to watch this year did you have any expectations for Blake Henson this year or what were your expectations for Blake Henson this year so before the season started like before there was anything uh I don't know it felt like Blake Henson was kind of an afterthought to people it was like all right we need Hughley to be healthy which mm-hmm. sounds insane now. We need Hughley to be healthy. Uh, Jamarius Burton was an okay guard last year. We think he'll be a part of it. Nelly will be good. Uh, Blake Henson will just be, you know, he'll, he'll be like a fifth starter. That's kind of what I felt like, fourth or fifth starter for this team. And then That was my reaction, too. I think whenever I found out that Blake Henson was the starter, I don't know if it was in a scrimmage at some point or maybe some reporters watched practice and they're like, Blake Henson's – playing the stretch four. I'm like, oh, all right. It's pretty cool. And I had no clue what to expect, but pretty early on, he went off. What do you have? 28 points in the first half of the Edinburgh exhibition? Yeah, it's pretty clear that Blake Hintz will be a fan favorite for a lot of reasons. And it's just a heat check guy is a guy that every team needs. 
And he was that and a lot more. Uh, I'm so glad he's coming back. I think there were so many fans that joined halfway through the season whenever the Rose Pit was good. And they're like, wait, this Henson guy has one more year. Yeah, I, I, I'm still hearing it from people. Oh, Hens- we get Henson again? Are you kidding me? Yeah, the first game against Tennessee Martin, I think our first reaction, we both were like, he's a lot bigger than I thought he was. Yeah. <laughs> and not we weren't talking height. Yeah, he, he's a big boy. And I think that's part of what makes him so endearing. And he had 27 and 13 against Tennessee Martin. And then halfway, like by the end of the year, it was like, oh, this, all he does is shoot threes. And then we saw this other little version of Blake Henson in the Xavier game. It's like, I don't think we've even scratched the surface of what Blake Henson can be at Pitt. And um, he's the best interview on the team. And that, and that's a team with a lot of good interviews. Um, but yeah, seeing him after the game, talk about how this this team, this group changed his life. Uh, man, it, it's like, Every one of these guys, I'm like, I feel, I feel like a personal connection with him. But like, yeah. th- this guy, this is just a guy who you can root for. Was out of out of college basketball for two years, um, and like we said, he was the most fun. I mean, those deep bombs that he would shoot be- just became a staple of the team. Like that when Blake hit a big deep three, it was like, oh, Pitt's gonna start rolling now. If the NCAA institutes a four point line next year, I think Pitt will make the Final Four because of Blake Henson. He will win the Wooden Award. He will be unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, uh, not, nothing gets me going like a deep uh, Blake Henson three. Uh, signature moment. I mean, it, it's got to be that deep three against Mississippi State, right? There are so many. I, I love the ones. I mean, I mean it, it can't be, but like I almost feel like the one against Miami. <laughs> Almost has to be. If obviously, if it goes in, it is. But like, even I still watch that play, and I'm like, I can't believe he was running to his right, fading away, and he puts a shot on the rim that looks like it very well could have gone in. The deep threes will be what sticks with me the most, but it was so long ago, and there are so many crazy things that happened since. I almost forgot that he had eight threes in a game. That Wake Forest game, whenever everything was falling, that was something I have never seen before from a Pitt Panther player. Uh, we've had some great shooters, but nobody went off for eight in a game. Uh, I think that's just the kind of guy he is. It's like if he sees one go in, look out. They're going up. Yeah, and he does have a lot of no, 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 yes, three-pointers. But at this point, any Henson three that goes up, I'm like, yeah, that's a good shot. doesn't matter where it's at, how far, what, how much time's on the shot clock. If we can get Henson a shot up from three, it's a good look. Um, so, yeah, super excited to have him back. Super excited that he decided to continue his career with Pitt. And uh, can't wait to see where he goes from here. Another guy, another one of those other guys, Fetty Federico. Federico Federico, however we want to say it there. Uh, two times. Name so nice you say it twice. Originally became endearing because he had a funny name. And then also just became the most improved player on the team. Also, just at one point of the ACC schedule was literally just a force. I don't know how he was so good. I think Pitt had so many swings and misses at big men in the portal recently that I assumed this guy from a random juke I never heard of would be maybe a bench body. 
and now First we're talking was a uh, piece of legamo or whatever his name was yeah i mean alonzo nelson adoto whatever the heck that guy's name was I'm like yeah whoever pickets in the portal is a big man probably is gonna stink i mean we heard he was gonna be a practice body at one point mm-hmm. and now we're saying he was snubbed from all acc defensive team or all defensive player of the year in the acc yeah and i i think his impact kind of became just as recognizable when he wasn't available. I mean, if you would have said back in November, like, Fetty's going to miss some time being hurt, he'd have been like, okay. And then mm. when we when we found out Pitt wasn't going to play, or when we found out Fetty wasn't going to play in that first four game, like, that was a legitimate concern. It's like, what are we going to do now? How are we going to handle the bigs down there? Um, and shout out to Guillermo. Like, he did an amazing job with, the little bit of uh, experience he's had and the little bit of weight he has on his has body, but Fetty just an absolute game changer for Pitt this year. If Pitt doesn't have a guy to step up in that place uh, when Hughley takes the leave of absence, I, I don't really know where this season goes. If we don't have a guy down there to one cleans things up defensively, be super effective defensively and two be that, role guy uh made made teams respect their pick and roll it wasn't just like you could leave fetty to do whatever on the other end like if if jb or nelly are throwing the ball at the rim fetty was gonna go get it and put it in so uh just an just an awesome year for him and wasn't another awesome pickup by capel and the staff i think that was a jason capel special the federico recruitment i remember early in the season whenever hugley came back and was healthy and available he had a few bad games, and there were some fans that were saying, start Federico instead of John Hughley. And I'll admit, I was someone who was like, pump the brakes. Give John like a, a few more games to figure it out, get his feet underneath him. And then maybe after two more games, I was like, maybe this Federico guy's nice. Maybe we should start him. Yeah. And the rest is history. I don't know how we ended up here, but I'm glad that we did. Yeah, it's got to the point where the Hughley transfer was – like at this point, I'm like, yeah. I mean, Hughley might have just been worried that he wasn't going to play very much because Federico and the Diaz Grams have showed so much promise. So, uh, Fetty, another awesome piece of the puzzle, and we get a couple more years of Fetty. He's we don't get just one more year of him. I think he's got two years of eligibility left. So, and and he has a younger brother right now. I think in the class of 2024, who's been playing basketball longer than him. So. You know, we we had two Cummings play for the University of Pittsburgh. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood that Biba still comes here. And then uh, another Federico. I think those two would cross paths at some point. So we'll take all the all the guys from Helsinki, Finland. We could take. I've been saying that for years. <laughs> hit the hit the Finland pipeline. Um. All right. Let's touch on Nate Santos very shortly before we get to. those other other guys uh nate santos uh didn't play a huge role whatsoever but he didn't play a very easy role either like it's a guy who's like yeah you might play tonight you might not but you might have to give us some big minutes and you might have to guard a big you might have to guard a center even though you were recruited as a wing and we're gonna send you out there and we need you to clean up and eat like four or five minutes on a big night and you can't mess it up. Yeah. There were a lot of times early in the year, uh, I guess just to save 
guys' legs. I mean, we were playing with six, seven guys, and like Burton, Elliot, Henson were playing high 30 minutes. You can't do that. You're going to run out of gas into the season. So it was nice to have Nate out there, and he played tough. He, he would grab a lot of rebounds. That's what stood out to me. I'm ferocious rebounder. Yeah. I, I don't know how tall he is or what he's listed at, like six, 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 seven, I think. Seven maybe. But uh, he'd be in between bodies, grabbing boards, and just it was good to have another guy on the bench you could turn to if you needed. Um, I know it was slim pickings this year. Yeah, he was a guy who I always I mean, really we hate. lost three scholarship players this year. That gets lost in the mix. I think we started talking about it a little bit more lately as we're like recapping the year. Jeffress out for the year, Hughley out for the year, Dior did not play. So you're you're left with a few bench guys and some walk ons. So it was Nate Santos or nothing, and he was good enough to be out there. Yeah, he was a guy I really hoped could find his shooting stroke. It was a guy they recruited to be a shooter, and it just never came along. I think he went what, like five for 31 this year or something. Very low percentage, um, unfortunately. But he was a guy who could come in and give them some much-needed size when they needed it and athleticism against certain teams. Um, and he played a role. Well, once again, like we said, like if Pitt loses, drops one more game in the regular season, depending on what that game is, like that game might knock them out of the tournament. So everyone who played any type of minutes for this team played a role. So Nate Santos, we appreciate your, your limited but important contribution to this basketball team. And last, but certainly not least some guys who I think we were all excited about before the season, but didn't have much in terms of realistic expectations for the Diaz Graham twins, Guillermo and Jorge. For two guys who maybe didn't play a ton this year, uh, gave gave meaningful minutes all year for sure, but maybe the most intriguing piece of Pitt basketball's future is, is twins. And it was kind of cool to see them break onto the national scene a little bit this week. People started to learn who those guys are outside of Pittsburgh. And I think even some people in Pittsburgh who kind of didn't want to start watching Pitt until they made the tournament. Uh, everyone's like, who who are these guys from the Canary Islands? If you have a minute, search Diaz Graham on Twitter. There's some funny tweets out there from just national reporters and things like that of like, what is happening with these two? This is crazy. It was the, it was the Iowa State game. And I said we were sitting by Zager fans earlier and we were kind of telling about the team. And they're like, so there's two of those. Those are identical twins. They're like, yeah. And we were joking with them. We we're like, oh, yeah, they're so good. They're like the best duo in the country. <laughs> and then they were just making really great plays. And I think they might have believed us that they were actually really good. I mean, they played really good down the stretch. It was something at the beginning of the year where we thought if they have to play a lot, Pitt is probably in trouble that they have to resort to these two guys that are seven foot unpolished, true freshmen. Yeah, at the beginning of the year, I, I was like, yeah, they just aren't ready to play at this level. And maybe they weren't at the beginning of the year, but they grew a lot from early in the year until now. I remember the first time we got like a real glimpse of them was that VCU game where the uh, team wasn't playing well and Capel had to unleash the Twins. And they were playing. It was cool to see. They made some plays, but there was also a lot of bad that came with those good. And day by day, they got better. 
I think that game was Jorge's uh, career high. I think he had, let me check on that. Yeah, he had 10 points that game. I don't think he surpassed that at any other point this year. But that was, I was like, there's just knocking down jumpers and getting to the rack at 6'11". It took a while to make it known that they could play like regular minutes. It's like, if we put them out here, we're just going to get destroyed. But they could hang. And that's all we needed at times when we had Fetty and nobody else. We told them to go out there, just go hang around, maybe make a shot, uh, maybe deflect some shots and grab rebounds. And by the end of it, we're talking about how bright their futures are and how they might be real impact players as sophomores. Yeah, I I think Guillermo's tournament experience is going to prove to be super valuable. The Mississippi State game is like, okay, he's he's pretty overwhelmed. But really, the number one priority was containing Toa Smith. And uh, he did a good job of that for the most part. And then he goes and gets 9-8 and eight against Iowa State and then 11-8 and eight against uh, Xavier. And it's like, okay, this, this is just a legitimate problem. Like, he's going to be a real problem. And everyone's favorite line is, well, they need to put weight on. They will. They're 18 years old and they're seven foot, six eleven. Uh, Pitt's gonna clean them up in the strength and conditioning program. They're gonna put on some pounds, and I I think they're gonna improve their coordination and all of that. And it's scary to think how good they can be in a couple of years. Even from the tournament alone, I can think of three plays. Uh, there's the block in the end of the Mississippi State game. Uh, they started off the game with the three. Uh, there was the steal that went coast to coast against Xavier and that one alley oop into the Xavier game. I don't care who you are. That's impressive in college. What about the pick and, and these roll are true freshmen with, with Jorge and Guillermo. Oh, brother. Oh, brother. One of the best calls of the tournament so far. Yeah. The, so many flashes and those flashes are going to turn into consistent plays. And like I said, I, th- I think it's probably the most exciting piece of Pitt's futures. Like, what could those two turn into? The sky's the limit with those two, literally. Sky's the limit with the twin towers. Uh, Those two, just also the most likable Pitt athletes of our lifetime. Like, there have been some awesome, great athletes at Pitt, but I I think everyone just smiles. Like, when they look at those two, when those two, when they give an answer at the press conference, when they hug each other on the court like everyone just smiles looking at those two they're just and i have to think that was pretty big in the locker room this year like having a bad day at practice coach getting on your ass and then one of one of the spaniards just like says something hilarious or does something hilarious and it's just like okay that lightens the mood let's let's get back to work here i think the signature moments are pretty obvious probably the game saving block and the pick and roll dunk I've got a different one. It was uh, the UT Martin game whenever they had back-to-back blocks and did the Matumbo finger wag. Oh, yeah. got teed up. Yeah, that was... I'll never forget that. that, that I was, was laughing out loud. I've never laughed harder in the Peterson events than that moment. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was all time. And I feel like Capel, like, he was probably... had to, like, give them the standard coach chew you out after you get a tee. But he was definitely just like telling his assistants, like that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Covering his face in the press conference. Yeah, they're awesome. I can't wait to see more of them. I'm so excited. 
one of the biggest reasons I'm excited for to watch Pitt next year, and I'm I'm kind of upset that we have to wait until what November to watch them play meaningful basketball games. Might just freeze myself until then. But we do have spring practice, and then we have football and then camp. There's some things to hold us over, but we've got a bit of a witching period in the summer. Even before that, I'm excited for the transfer portal. I think previous years, it's like, hey, can we find this diamond in the rough? Now Jeff Capel can say, come play with these two seven-foot-tall skilled twins, Blake Henson and this center that can catch oops, Federico. They had a great foundation of guys coming back. We just made the tournament. So pit stock is as high as it's been in a long time. So I'm really excited to see uh, what talent Jeff Capel can bring in to go along with the really, really impressive recruiting class. So uh, there's a lot to shape the roster around. Yeah, there's a ton there. Uh, Jeff Capel's done an amazing job. The difference in the overall just feeling and future of the program from March 2022 to March 2023 is absurd. Uh, so he's a very deserving winner of the ACC Coach of the Year, and can't wait to see what he does next year. But I, I don't think I'm quite done soaking in this season. I'm going to go back and watch some highlights of the Diaz Graham brothers. I'm going to watch some, maybe some compilations of 40-foot threes from Blake Henson. Uh, maybe every, every press conference the team gave, because uh, I'm going to miss this team. So... Any, any final thoughts you got, Squid? Basketball is awesome. College basketball is awesome. I complain about it all the time because mainly the referees and charge you get calls. Some, yeah, you can get some real stinker games and then like like fifty two to forty eight, like terrible offense. Forty one in the tournament. Yeah, that'll happen sometimes. But when your team is good, I don't know if there's anything that beats it. Yeah, I second that, and um. I think I didn't care about college basketball for the past seven years while Pitt wasn't any good. I mean, I watched college basketball a lot. I still love, I'm a basketball junkie. I watched a ton of games, but I've never been more into the game than I am right now. And uh, that's part of my closing thought here is Pitt basketball is back. And that doesn't mean that we're going to be the juggernaut of the early 2000s. Um, what it means is that the city cares about basketball again, and they care about pit basketball again. I, I was wondering if it might take a few years of sustained success to get back to that, but it didn't. It just took one special season and one special team. So with that being said, um, this is the team that brought pit basketball back. And is there a chance that that could go away? Maybe. Maybe they lay an egg next year and everyone's back to one and capable to go. Um but I'm not thinking about that right now because what I do know right now is that Pittsburgh and Pitt fans care about the basketball team again. They're excited about the basketball team again. And that's very important for the university. That's very important for this city and the basketball culture in this city. And it's very important for my personal well-being that this basketball team is good. Although I don't know that I was healthier like because... I was my blood pressure was through the roof every single game, but my mental well being it relies on this team being good. So, thank you, Pitt. Thank you for being enjoyable to watch. It's been a while. 
almost forgot how good it could be. Yeah, I know we plead a lot. We say, please win every episode. Please this, please that. Thank you. Thank you to Jamarius Burton, Nelly Cummings, Greg Elliott, Nike Sabandi, Aiden Fish, Blake Henson, Fetty, Nate Santos, the Twins, Jeff Capel, Jason Capel, Jeff O'Toole, Tim O'Toole, T.O. Sorry, Tim. He might come, like, strangle me. Um, thank you, Heather Like, for sticking by this group. Thank you, Mylon Brown. I forgot him as an assistant coach. Thank you for all those people. Thank you, Pitt. It's been awesome. It was an awesome season. I'm so glad it's back. I can't wait to do it again next year. And these next few episodes, we're probably going to start talking spring practice, spring football, which is always a, a fun time of year. Um, but it ain't quite March. So, you don't know why it doesn't beat March? Nothing will beat March because Pitt got two football recruits uh, and nobody blinked an eye. When was the last time we didn't care about a football recruit? When was the last time we didn't immediately dive into like, Narduzzi's likes it's unmatched i mean there have been spring practices going on that i didn't watch one spring practice video yet i usually watch those like five times to see like which player is which and who's the one making the tackle and the throw and the catch i actually saw one tomorrow i saw one be tweeted out like from their first scrimmage day or whatever and i was like this is usually sent into our group message and literally like like it's watched like a football coach watching film like it's, it's analyzed like the jfk assassination you gotta get yeah, all the, the angles and the zapruder film yeah. is literally every scrimmage where it's like who made a play is Derek davis gonna be the starting tailback how many reps did bayer get uh, it's like, oh this guy got an interception well who threw the pass yeah we try to break down every little bit of it but we didn't have to do that this year because pit basketball is back thank you pit thank you to this team Thank you to everyone who's listening to come along for the ride. I uh, can't wait to do it again next year. And as always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh.